Hey friends, welcome to the Life with Chris and Tatum podcast, where each week we'll talk about practical and relevant topics to help you live a life of freedom and purpose. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, please visit lifefellowship.tv. And now let's tune in with Chris and Tatum. Everybody, welcome again today to another episode of Life with Chris and Tatum. Hey, today I want to jump right into the topic. We've got a lot to discuss. I've got Pastor Logan with us. He serves as our student pastor here at the church, doing a fantastic job. Thank you, thank you. We, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Now, today there is this is so intriguing to me. We're gonna really give like we're gonna get into the nitty gritty yeah, of what's absolutely. happening in this student generation right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for somebody like me, I'm 46. It's kind of a little bit of a shrouded uh, culture. Like, it, it, things are happening there that I have no idea. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot happening. I'm officially old. I'm officially old. <laughs> I feel so outdated. And I mean, honestly. Now, I could still take you down. I, I don't doubt it in my mind. It All depends. Right. Physical? Yeah, <laughs> sure. No, but. Uh, How about in a game of basketball? No, I I would win. You, have, you think you would win? Ten out of ten times. Oh, ten? Wait, wait. You said ten out of ten times. Yes, uh, without a doubt. That's okay. Pure so confidence. when our basketball pavilion is done out here, we, you I'll, and I, I'll I challenge you, you to a game of basketball. Okay. Okay. The church will come watch. Twenty dollars. Uh, uh, twenty dollar bet that I'll beat you. Okay. Okay. Deal. Up to ten. Okay. Easy. Done. Done. Easy, dude. Come on, how many of y'all would vote for for Logan to win? You think he would win? I, I think they would. I think, <laughs> I think they know. Man, I'm going to tell you, old school is still cool school, man. I still got some of that. It, it, I, I'll get you. Hey, do you, random fact. Do you know uh, Shaquille O'Neal? Oh, yeah. I got his signature at home. Really? Yeah. But do you know, out of his entire career, how many uh, three-point shots he ever ever made? Probably hardly any. You ready for this? It was a buzzer beater, and he lobbed it, and he made one three-point shot his entire career. Well, he knew what he was good at. Yeah. Not that. So that's foreshadowing what's going to happen to you when you and I play some basketball okay. <laughs> together. All right. All right. So let's jump into what's happening in our youth culture. Talk to me. Okay. Brief synopsis for everybody that doesn't really know what that means. Uh, everything that we're pulling from and all these facts and statistics, you can find at the Global Youth Report from One Hope. Uh, they did an amazing job of surveying and figuring this all out. But really, it's about this generation. When I say this generation, it's Generation Z. So if you Google the generations and the spans, uh, Generation Z is those born in between 1997 and 2012. So uh, that will tell you kind of the age range right there. I am 96. So I am technically a millennial, but I I can relate to some of the, what Gen Z is going through. So it's very interesting. Uh, so these are these are our uh, people that are 10 to 25 years old. Yep. That's, and so that's Gen Z. We're already moving into generation alpha, which is 2012 beyond like so people born after 2012. Wait, it's now called generation alpha. Yeah, but those are so I'm about to receive Generation Alpha kids into my youth ministry in about two years. And so it's just a whole each generation. And they they say... Everyone talks about millennials and millennials are not young. No, they're not. I'm the youngest and I'm 26. So I'm the youngest millennial. But uh, 
just with the generations, they say a lot of generations are marked by technological advances. That's what determines. And you think about how fast technology and culture and things move that they're on to the next thing. I can't, I, I, I can't even keep up. I, you say you're old, I'm old because I cannot keep up with how fast things cho- uh, move in advance. And one of the quick, just kind of interesting things of what's happening in our world. And it really kind of plays into everything you see, but, uh, there's a lot with these generations. So like my parents' generation is known as the consumer generation, which if you like, I'm getting all nerdy, like, but if you talk about uh, web one, so that was when, you know, the computer came out and people were getting it just for simple information. That Come was, on, everybody. That AOL, was, you got mail. That was consumer <laughs> generation. And now my generation and older than me is the contributor generation, uh, which is called web two. And that's where... You know, people want to interact through social media platforms and all that. Mm-hmm. You can almost like have another life. And then now what we're seeing is a start of Web 3. So uh, the creator generation. Web so, 1, Web 2, Web 3. Yeah, and this so, is the creator. So you start seeing things like metaverse where there's virtual worlds that people can live their life. You, I mean, you look at the, this crazy. 75% of children ages 6 to 17 want to become a YouTuber. That's what they ask for. How they, many? Uh, 75%. Of children, that that is the one thing they want to aspire to be is to be a famous YouTuber. Why? Because you're, for their job. Yeah, because they see people create. They want to create, and so that's why you see metaverse. That's why you see this whole everybody wearing those goggles and living a whole different world. It's just, it's really crazy to see uh, where we're headed with that. But yeah, they they want to create. That honestly uh, is how they're wired. And so I mean, you think about what's in their hands all the time and all the TikToks and everything they can do. They want to create things. And so we, we have a very, very uh, different generation, but I think the, the biggest difference between... Uh, now, when we do... So I want to talk about all this, and, yeah. and, and I, want, I want to dive into all this. But you know, those of us that are a little bit older, a lot of times we write people off because yeah. we're like, "Well, you guys, you guys just don't know that it, you 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 can't do all that stuff and really make an impact in the world or what have mm-hmm. you." And I think that we guys my age and older need to realize that man, there's so much potential in this next generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe that God wants to use them beyond our wildest dreams. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the big difference is you can sit and make excuses and say, "Oh." This generation's hopeless, useless, but no, I really see the opportunity there. And that's where you have to come. I mean, if they're creators, why can't they create something? God is the the first attribute we find about God. Mm-hmm. It says, in the beginning, God created. Absolutely. He's a creator. Yeah. He's a creator. And if he could, if he, he's the, the, the ultimate creative uh, being in the universe. I mean, mm-hmm. he is. I mean, the Lord, he's the creator. What if he can get a hold of this generation and create some things that go beyond anything we are, we could have ever dreamed? Yeah. And, so it's Web 3. Yep. And tell me some more. I mean, I think we, I, I think where the church is at, we are like almost in a digital Babylon. I think of like... We're, the church is by and large in America in Web 1. <laughs> yeah. And so I think... It is one of those things where you look at like I'm seeing more and more churches launching campuses in the metaverse. Yeah, right I, now I've seen that, and so, and that's where you can sit and say, "Oh, well, they're they're not really reaching people." But I mean, this is where teenagers are at. Like, I mean, you have to go to where they're at because, truthfully, this generation of teenagers, uh, statistics are true, and we'll go through it, but they don't come to church. 
and you look at the parenting generation, uh, the vast majority, I'm not saying this is all, but vast majority don't make, there's a big difference between genera- uh, parenting gaps. And so you look at like my parents, um, their parents, so my grandparents, they were known as the helicopter generation where they would just hover over every single one of their kids saying, you have to do this, you have to do this, there's no option. And so it almost would cause rebellion to where now my parents, uh, this other generation is almost the opposite end of the spectrum. Now they're the hands-off gen- generation. You see it all the time, but they've experienced so much helicopter parenting that they don't even monitor what's happening in their kids' lives. They don't, I, I very few kids in our youth ministry, I would say, are forced to come to church anymore. I would say 70% to 80% come because they want to. Nobody's making them, nobody's telling them you have to go to church tonight. It's just the generation we're in and with how the parents are. And the 20% that are required to be here are coming with joy on their heart, in their, in their, in their hearts <laughs> always, anyways. Yeah. Always, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, the religious attitude and behaviors of these guys. Yes. Um, so it, it is not that they don't know who God is. It's that they're choosing to ignore him. I think a lot of these people uh, are v- nominal Christians. That by name, they say, yeah, 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 I, I believe, but... Uh, actually, one of the fastest growing religions, I guess you could say, is the they call it the nuns, N O N E, not N U N. But uh, that means they don't have any affiliation to religion. They just they don't claim any religion, and so it's just like and that's 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 growing in leaps and bounds right yeah, now. Absolutely, one of the fastest. And I think growing. that's a result of the fact, and and this is one of the things that we're trying to curb and change here at Life Fellowship. Is that you know? It's when families get connected in. You know, when I yeah. look back and I see, you know, there was a time when we were in youth ministry and we had all these kids that were there. We had about like seven hundred that were showing up on Wednesdays on an average night. And when I look back and I see those students, the ones that are really still li- living for God, by and large, moms and dads were living, were living Absolutely. for the Lord. And, and and so it's not just reaching a student; it's reaching the whole family, yeah, the family unit. And I think that really, you know, that lends to um, seeing uh, seeing uh, in entire in generations impacted and changed when we reach the moms and dads. And I love that you you don't just pour into the students; you're finding ways to pour into the parents as well, because they're at the at the other spectrum. They're going, how do I even figure out what's going on in their world? Yeah, I mean, it they, changes so fast. I mean, give they, me tools, give me give me resources, help me. Yeah, honestly, they are the the main disciple makers in their family. I mean, like I I am there to set them up for success. I want. I mean, I because think about it, like you said, the parents are with them more than I am, and so it's like how much more important it is for the parents to be able to disciple their own kids. And so I think now this is interesting. It says yeah, yeah. Uh, over half or fifty two percent of teenagers believe all religions teach uh, equally valid truths. Christians are just as likely as non-believers to say this. Yeah. So it is absolutely crazy how many uh, teenagers who call themselves Christians, they, they, this is just the world. You look at the culture, everybody's open. 52%. Yeah. yeah. Every, the world of relativism is so big today in our culture where just as you say something's true doesn't mean it's true for me. And whatever you true is true, whatever you think is true is fine. But whatever I think is true is my truth. And so it's just, they're just kind of so open that they don't even have a real 
core belief system. And so- Listen, if, if, if truth is not absolute, it should be impossible for you to be offended. And yet we live in the most offended culture ever. But how can you be offended if it's not even yeah. truth? No, yeah. there's such a thing as truth. And you know, I've said it many times from the platform that God's word doesn't need to change. It's, it's us who needs to change to yeah, align okay. ourselves with God's word. But that's becoming less and less- 52% say, basically, it doesn't matter what you, what you do as long as you're just a good person. You know, I'm actually going to deal with that on our uh, on our Easter service. Yeah. I really am. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, uh, this is a little spoiler alert for you. Actually, I won't. You have to come out to Easter to, to, <laughs> to, to, to hear it. <laughs> actually, it's to see it. Okay. I'm, you're not going to hear it. Okay. You're going to see it. So it'll, it'll be great. Um. T- tell, tell me a little bit more. This is this yeah, is really yeah, yeah. intriguing. So this is really just on the religious, like behavioral. Uh, you look at disciplines, but uh, it says forty percent of self-identified Christian teenagers say they never read the Bible, never. And so, not, yeah, biblical illiteracy is huge. Oh, it's massive, and tr- that's why when I preach right now, I don't just assume that people know the story of whatever. Oh man, yeah, I never say, "Hey, you guys know David and Goliath?" No, they don't. They have no idea. Christians don't. And so, I mean, really, you can take that and say, well, this generation's hopeless, but really, I take it as a, okay, what are we doing as a youth ministry in the church to not and, only... And they're hungry. Once yeah. they find out, they're like, oh, why? Because God's word is life. Yeah, absolutely. That when, they, when they start hearing it, man, they show up. Yeah. And so I think even for us, like we post COVID almost this generation, I think it's been a, a, it has been like you said, the analogy of the softball, like helping you realize something that you may not have noticed before. So to give you guys some context, sorry, (laughs) because they don't know the story. (laughs) Uh, There was a couple years ago that there was, uh, when we first got to the church where we had like a little softball church uh, life group. And one of the guys was out and, and in the game, he got a line drive uh, I believe he was the pitcher, got a line drive right to his head, knocked him out. They rushed him to the ER, uh, and he was fine, had, had a concussion, all that. But when they put him underneath the, the, the MRI or whatever, the instruments they used, they discovered that the guy had a tumor growing in his brain. Had he not been hit in the, in the head with that softball, the dude would have died because of this. I mean, it identified it. And because they caught it so early on, they were able to treat it and remove it out of his head, and the guy lived. Thank the Lord. Well, the analogy that I, I've given is this, that COVID was our softball because it has knocked us to the ground. It did, and it caused us to go, oh my goodness, let's assess what we're doing. And I think that a lot of churches are we're, we're realizing, oh my goodness, we're not as effective as we think that we are. Look at what's actually going on. Yeah. And are there better ways to do what we do? And I think that, I don't think that, that COVID was the issue. I think it was more of a softball that God's giving us to open our eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me just reflect. I don't believe God gave us COVID, okay? Yeah. Uh, but I do believe he's using that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and uh, I guess you may not know this listening, but in the youth pastor mindset world and youth ministries, uh, before COVID, it was always comparing to each other's youth group of who did things better. But really, this kind of got everybody on the same playing field. And we realized very quickly from our own students that students don't care about the hype and the big production and the big events anymore. Because truthfully, 
they can go find a better production at a at a mm-hmm. their favorite artist concert. I mean, honestly, they wanted real, authentic conversation, and that's where everything shifted. And honestly, for here at Life Fellowship, that's something I'm really, really shifting towards. Is are we creating real disciples? Are we teaching them how to? I want them to be able to sustain that relationship and those disciplines when they graduate from high school. You did it this last summer, um, and you'll do it again this yep. summer. But you were you had like 70, 80 kids showing up to be discipled, and you were teaching them, here's how you guys write messages, and here's how you preach. And they were having to go ahead and do those, put those things into operation. So they're not just hearing it, they're actually doing it. Yeah. And then one of the things that we're doing in our new facility is that, you know, the, the teenagers are so tech savvy now. There's so much going on yeah. that we've actually designed a facility that actually um tries to meet the need of something that they can't get out in the world. And that is that there's a lot of uh, non-techie things that we have. You know, yeah, yeah, we have like all kinds of cornhole and basketball and we're, we, we have, you know, we got the ping pong and we've got uh, fire pits and all kinds of food and uh, places for them to, the, to converse together because that's what they don't get. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of reveal a little bit where we're heading, but uh, I think one of the biggest, if we can, encounter God, be discipleship-minded, and be relational at the same breath. I oh think. my good. Talk about attractional. Yeah, because I think a lot of people do have the wrong way they do it is they just focus on encounter. But when, you know, the tip where they go to youth camp two weeks later, they go back to their same struggles because there was no other discipleship to back it up. And so, but then relational, one of the things we're going to start implementing like in the summer, we're going to do a summer social. So when we have there's all this amazing facilities that we have in the lawn space. Uh, that night, I mean, you may think it's crazy, but there's not going to be preaching. It's going to be intentionally relational. But those relationships, that oftentimes will open up the conversation for them to encounter Jesus. Yep. In fact, you guys will hear uh, part of uh, Pastor Logan's story that when you when you really recommitted your life to the Lord— it wasn't in a church. Yeah. It was in a conversation moment. Yeah. You guys will have to tune into that one later on. That's that's next week. Yeah, yeah. And so I, back to the uh, statistics and everything that we've kind of like, I've been really just looking over these and my heart breaks, honestly, for this generation. Because when you talk about personal struggles and you hear a lot about mental health. Talk about this. Yeah, yeah. So give me some stats. Okay. Just for all teenagers across the board, uh, this is in the last three months. Okay. 45%, so almost half have said they struggle with depression. Half. Yeah. 55% high anxiety, 25% suicidal wait, thoughts. Wait, wait, wait. A quarter of our teenagers mm-hmm. are struggling with suicidal thoughts. So yeah, a statistic that I, I pulled from this as well is this, this breaks my heart. One in every 14 say they have actually attempted to take, take their own life. One in every 14 teenagers. So one, two, three, four, five. I mean, just go down the road. Fourteen. Boom. Yeah. Boom. That you just you never know. I mean, I just heard, had a student talk to me about uh, a kid at Allen High School took their own life recently. I mean, it, it is such a real, real thing with them. And so, yeah, one in every fourteen. Uh, and then you can see. I mean, in the next statistic, but seven percent have suicide attempts. Twenty uh, percent same sex attraction, and then ten percent gender identity confusion. So there, so twenty percent same sex attraction, and then ten percent gender identity confusion. Yes. So that's why when you hear mental health, I mean, it, it's 
I mean, seriously, with all that these teenagers are in, that they're dealing with. Uh, one of the things, though, that really struck me that I we probably could take a moment here to talk about mm-hmm. is when it comes to uh, teenagers um, and their sexual purity. I know as Christians what we believe and what we teach, but this is a statistic that they said um, three in every 10 teenagers, so 30%, this is all teenagers, non-Christian, all the above, globally mm-hmm. report having been sexually active in the past three months. So 30% of all teenagers. Then they hop over and it says, the this rate, so you have 30% of non of just everybody, yep. and then this rate is even higher among Christians. So m- teenage Christians are more sexually active than just the general population. That to me just, it made me stop in my tracks mm-hmm. and really just, you know, we, we don't think about that. We think about, we think we would be the lower number on that, but I mean, they've, done all the research and back work for all this, but what are your thoughts when you... <laughs> well, I come back to that, that 40% of those who identify as Christians yeah. aren't even reading their Bible. Yeah. So I come. I think it comes back to biblical illiteracy and actually creating places and spaces where they can encounter God, because what we're seeing is that when students encounter God, when they are discipled, and when they have friends that will support them and give them great... Um, uh, protection, you know, as they as they walk together, those numbers tank. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the same as when you Absolutely. are unguarded and I identify as a Christian. But if you can get into a local body and you are protected, you got a pastor that cares for you. You are encountering God. And it's a place where, man, I, 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 I'm being discipled. I'm learning God's word. We see those numbers drastically tank. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's why we do what we do. Yeah, you know. I, I have I've said this for years. The church, by and large, unfortunately, has dismissed the next generation. So kids, preschoolers, uh, elementary kids, and they've we've we've not funded uh, and put finances where and, and volunteers and creative uh, uh, all that stuff into reaching the next generation. And what we've actually done is we've said, oh. We're going to put you in rooms with you know white walls and gray carpet and and we have dismissed them and we've actually turned those places into almost like daycares or babysitting. There's mm-hmm. little games that they play, and it's unfortunate because we've thought, well, these kids they're too young to know anything about God's word or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the devil comes right along and goes, no, 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 no. You think you want to dismiss them? Great, I will teach them. And what's crazy is, is as as I am uh, counseling adults. You would be shocked at how many of them their problems stem from their from their kid years. Yeah, like the the things that they're battling with as a forty year old, fifty year old happened when they were a teenager, happened when they were in in, in yeah. elementary school or even preschool. So the church has dismissed them, and devil comes right along and says, "No, I'll take them," and he reeducates. And I think in the church we need to reverse. We need to reverse that. We need to put our finances and our love and our time and our effort and our prayer and our our, our purpose behind reaching in, in, into the next. If we don't reach this next generation, every value that we've held dear to for the last 200 years in this nation will be gone. Yeah. And we're seeing it happen right now. Yeah. Like it's happening. Not, mm-hmm. not it's going to happen. It's happening right now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you see it uh, all over. And I think... This is not just with, you know, 
sexual purity. There's really any kind of thing that teenagers struggle with. If you're a parent listening is, I would just say, have that space for there to be honest conversation. I think, like you've always said, the generation growing up, like, don't do that, don't have sex, yeah. don't do, don't, 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 that it almost creates a curiosity and almost maybe even a rebellion sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so having that open conversation is so important. Yeah. And so I would yeah. say, yeah, if, if as a parent, you have to have that conversation with your kid. Now, this is interesting here. It says, uh, teens are spending right now an average of seven hours and 23 minutes online every day. Yeah. It's funny. I make fun of our Brazilians at our church because Brazil is the number one country, nine and a half hours per day. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I don't know what they're doing over there, but... They're laying at the beach. Something. But (laughs) no, America's up there. I mean, seven hours and 23 minutes. And truthfully... um, we're not going to change that statistic. I mean, so let's use it. Yeah, you're not going to change that. That's not so going to go away. So if that's where students are camping out on, yeah. and that's where the generation is moving to, that's not going to go away. Yeah. So I mean, just even so it, instead of fighting that, use yeah. it for the king. Why don't we redeem it? Yeah. I mean, you walk in on a Wednesday night. There's no paper anywhere. You know, I remember <laughs> they don't even use that. So I, what's paper? Uh, I remember years ago when when uh, phones when teenagers first started getting phones. I used to ban them. You weren't allowed to have a, a phone in youth youth service. Think if you did that now, Logan. No, oh, they would th- you would never you wouldn't have a single student showing up. I would be canceled. I would, but yeah, I mean you look at 94% of kids watch if I did that on Sunday mornings, no. People would not show up. But yeah, use it use it to your advantage. I think that's that's the thing. You can sit and complain and about all this generation's always on their phone, but I mean, how are we using it to advance the gospel? Yeah, we we've got to redeem technology. We got to redeem uh, the time and use it for for the advancement. Like again, I just see this that when when students have an opportunity to encounter God and they hear about what His Word really says, like mm-hmm. it's eye opening. Mm-hmm. Like imagine if you could, you know, hear the story of David and Goliath for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh my goodness! Yeah, and like. Tell it like the Bible says. I mean, David was such a man's man, he cut the dude's head off. Thinking yeah. about that. Yeah. Hey, think about how cool that is. I know. The Bible's exciting. I mean, it, yeah. It why is. do drugs, everybody, when you can do the scriptures, you know? There you go. That's the phrase of the day. <laughs> and then, hey, let's create places where they can come and he- be able to hang out relationally. Yeah. You know, I said this... Um, uh, Years ago, I heard a missionary talk, and he was talking about that if you want to reach the people in in Africa or some some area of the world mm-hmm. where it's very impoverished, and not all Africa is like that, but yep. he said, you've got to get rid of the static before they can hear the gospel. And their static is the static of food, medical supplies, clothing. He says, you can preach to them all day long, but until you meet those needs, they won't be able to hear the gospel. Absolutely. I think the static for this generation, and you speak into this if I'm if I'm push back at me, but I think the static of this generation is, uh, let me have some food, let me mm-hmm. have some uh, some relational opportunities all around, and and when you begin to meet those needs, mm-hmm. also now now I'm willing to say, okay, I'm willing to trust you in what you want to say about God's word. And I'm open to be to, and if this is working for you and it's touching your life and you're providing these kind of things, I'm willing to have an encounter with God. Absolutely. And that's one of the last things I want to 
to hit on because that's one of the biggest statistics to me is uh, they can read past hidden agendas. They can see right through it. Um, they can they they want to genuinely know: Do you care about me? And that that's honestly how we're shaping and you know reconfiguring our entire youth ministry and how we do things. Because this is one of the statistics that they said, and I, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, but they said relatively few Christian teenagers say teachings from their pastor, so a message from the stage, would be the primary reason they would change their mind about a religious belief. Now, for me, like, I'm not going to— But that not, that's not happening here. No, no. No, no, of course not. <laughs> but for me, like, there's just some things we're shifting. Now, like, for us, I mean, you look at a teenager, the attention span of a teenager today is horrible. You know, the average attention span of a teenager is seven to eight seconds. The average attention span of a goldfish, this is this is true, a goldfish, like a pet goldfish, is nine seconds. So the attention span of a teenager Wait, is- Wait, can you say that again? Because I I, the, I I veered off. The average attention I lost, span- I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's exactly what a teenager does to me every Wednesday. So, But I, for us, we're just shifting a little bit of the, the time. Doesn't mean I'm lessening the word of God. Uh, we're just creating we opportunity. We find other ways. Yeah, so that's actually where we're moving. Because you look at, there's this uh, statistic right here but uh, this is teenagers with no religious affiliation, the nuns I was telling you about, that 38%, so this is the ones most likely to change their mind about a religious belief, 38% would change their mind with a personal experience. So that to me, like you said, if there's an encounter with Jesus, that is the number one way that you will have a, <laughs> a change of heart. I mean, that, that's for, I think, anybody across the board. Mm -hmm. But the very next thing they said that would change their religious belief 23% said conversations with friends or family, or even I would say leaders in the youth ministry. And then 33% said own investigation. And then 6% is said religious leaders and, you know, preaching from the, the stage. Not that you lessen it, but there has to be other avenues for it. They want to talk about what they just heard. That's the static. We got to get rid of that. Yeah. Open their hearts up. Yeah. That's And if you're a youth pastor listening to this, can I just encourage you? Listen, you need to spend time in preparing for the message. You need to spend time getting the services ready to go. But I think just as important is all the other things. Mm -hmm. And we dismiss those. We're like, ah, uh, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's not spiritual that we're creating all these community en environments for kids to connect. And it doesn't really matter if they are able to come and find a cool place to hang out and, and you know, be able to eat and just socialize. Yeah. I would say, I think you're mistaken. Because if yeah. you can provide those needs for them, mm -hmm. <gasps> opens the door. My goodness! And what here's, I think that teenagers spell love. Listen, I think they spell love T I M E and M O N E Y. Yeah, <laughs> money. Yeah, time and money. If I'm willing to spend time with you and invest money, that communicates, man, you must really love me. And we want to let this generation know that we do love you. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to invest in you. We're going to provide places for you to come and just ha just hang out and allow our teams to just pour love into you, and then you're going to experience God's presence in these services. And, and your team does an amazing job yeah. really leading students into God's presence. I'm so excited hearing about these things that are coming. Yeah, and I would say even if you're listening and— you think if you're in your 60s or 70s and you're like, ah, this doesn't apply to me. I think it applies to anybody. Wherever you're at, if you see a teenager, like you don't realize the impact that makes if you just talk to them. Um, 
whether you feel like they're hesitant or not or standoffish, if you get a teenager talking about themselves, they gladly will. Just listen to them. Listen to them. I think I had a conversation this past Sunday with a family that came here, moved from Colorado a month ago. And, you know, I just went up there because I saw they had a teenager. Instantly, within five minutes, I knew that he was going to start at a school that we had other teenagers at. And so I just connected the dots. And now he's coming this Wednesday. I mean, it, you just don't realize, like, if you... T- and I think that the other thing is that we cannot find ourselves getting in a rut. Yeah, absolutely. We can't keep doing church how we think it needs to be done. You know, most churches are one generational churches. Like, they never reach out to the next... They never reach the, the next generation. Yeah, they just grow... Absolutely. Uh, with the age of the pastor, and they never are multi-generational churches. Yeah. Because it's tough, because you have to constantly be giving up your preferences to reach those that have been unreached, mm-hmm. that are not reached yet. And so, listen, if you're listening to this right now, uh, you need to join me in daily praying for uh, your youth pastor, for your student ministry there at the church. And I, I want you to know, Logan, that I pray for you and and your wife, and for our student leaders and our teenagers, because I can't imagine being a teenager in this culture right now, trying to live and stand for God. And I just think that we have, uh, I'm just going to brag on our teenagers, I think we got the greatest students on the yeah. planet here at Life Fellowship. Absolutely. They, they, they're generous. They have a passion to, to reach their schools. They live for God. They're, they're bringing their friends. They worship God with... Uh, abandonment. I mean, they just go after God. I'm just I'm just so flat out proud of everything God's doing. And God's going to raise up a generation here at this church, an army of teenagers that is going to counter the culture in our high schools and our junior highs. And we're going to see families, grandparents, schools come to know who Jesus is. Absolutely. Well, I think it stems well, from having a, again, a pastor like you and Tatum, because I think you can tell when somebody has a heart for the next generation, you see that. And so it makes it easier and a lot of fun to have it when you have your pastor who Woohoo. You know, give me a give me a high five, there Logan. There we go. All right. Hey everybody, today I hope was enlightening to you. I had so much fun. I learned a lot. A lot. I'm curious. We're gonna have to come back again here in the days to come on Generation Alpha. I am curious about this. They are coming up. All it's, right. Yeah. Well, they're here. Ten years and younger. <laughs> that is Generation Alpha. So All right, everybody. Hope you all have a great day. Hope you learned something. I'll check you back here next week. God bless you, everybody.